Blade technically should be like considered an A-list character. Really? I, really, I mean, he should be. He like leads his own books. He's again, Wolfman didn't want him in the book for a while because he knew he was gonna take it over. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> uh, I mean, I and his movies were like so popular. I remember back in the day. So his his movies basically started the Marvel Cinematic Universe. All right. They did. They did. Blades one, two, and three. Mm, not two, not three so much, but uh, <laughs> one and two, like fantastic. Yo, yo, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Another Relaunch. I am LZ. Yo, yo, hey, people, it's Keenan. How are you doing today, I get Keenan? really excited when I say my name. I don't know why. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm doing all right. It's been a rather rainy week here in the district. So if it, anybody who knows me, I actually love the rain. I love thunderstorms. I love great clouds and all that stuff. So I've been in like a fantastic mood all week. It's been really exciting to see. Um, and I'm feeling good today. How are you? You know what? It's also been like that here in LA. It's been like weirdly kind of rainy and cloudy. And mm-hmm. I don't mind it. You know, I like a little gray. I get to be cozy it's and stuff. It's needed every now and then. Yeah. It's, it's a perfect excuse to cancel plans and not go anywhere. I've been ordering a lot of chicken wings. <laughs> I will say that. That sounds good. I'm trying going. I'm trying to go on like a diet. I wanna. I I, I wanna lose a little, a few pounds. But um, food is just so good. It's too so good. I just like chicken wings and comic books is just like okay. The perfect. The it's, most. it's the combo. <laughs> it's the most. <laughs> All right. I'm here for it. So let's just go ahead and get into this uh, week's comics number. Up first is Nightwing number 83, and this is by Tom Taylor with art by uh, Bruno Redondo. And uh, again, I feel like Tom Taylor was like really meant to write Dick Grayson and Nightwing. He really, really gets this character and really gets to like what makes Dick so like good. Mm. (laughs) You know? And um, you you really get to see and like his his personality kind of shine through. And so this issue opens up with um, Melinda Zuko, who we found out last issue was his sister. You know, mm-hmm. again, uh, giving my favorite sister, surprise sister. And um, turns out she has actually been doing the double cross. So um, while we had think thought this entire time that she was a villain working with Blockbuster and trying to take over the uh, the cops and everything in uh, <clears throat> in Bloodhaven, that wasn't the truth. She was actually undercover and mm. she was gonna help out Nightwing and everything there. She was deep undercover. So um, the place that he met her up though with has been surrounded by. Uh, cops who were actually kind of working for her and mm-hmm. they ended up trying to get Nightwing so he ends up kind of having this cool action scene and I will say that um, Tom Taylor has a really cool way of writing or at least Bruno Redondo does have a really cool way of drawing mm-hmm. Nightwing's use of his like Eskrima sticks 
previous mm-hmm. like they the way they were ever shot he would kind of use them usually in a fighting way they weren't as much like his gadgets and stuff outside mm-hmm. of connecting and making like a longer staff or something mm-hmm. here he's able to kind of have them used as like his like you know grappling hook but the okay. way he has him swing he has him looking as if he's swinging off of a trapeze you know because if he was like back in the circus so i think mm-hmm. that's really cool um for him i think that's a really cool shot do his um, sticks um do his sticks have like electrical charges? Yeah, I think like the ends of them. They have like some cool like little I was about to say cuz I know like in the Injustice game, they've got he's got like moves uh yeah, he's got moves where they charge and then in Titans, which is currently out right now, he's been using them in battle a lot and he's been like doing things where he's like having the electrical current like go through metal and like attack people and like throw them. It's been really dope to see. If you guys uh are watching Titans, Please tweet me so we can talk about that. I swear, you are going to mistakes. really try to get me to watch Titan. <laughs> I swear. It's really good. And that first first Starfire, now Nightwing. So, uh, it's I don't think I got to Nightwing, actually. I don't think he was, I didn't make it that far. Like, when he finally became Nightwing, it was like such a moment. And so, I, you know, 30 seasons out now, the first four episodes are out. And so I think a lot of the issues that people have with Titans was obviously that it felt like it's an Elseworlds series. So it's like, it's not too much similar to the comics. Um, mm-hmm. But I feel like in this season now, their characters are starting to feel a lot more like their comic versions. Like they've grown into the heroes that we've been reading about. And so, whereas now here we got like a really good Nightwing, we're also starting to see a lot of Dick Grayson. And it's- it, okay. it, it's all coming together very nicely. But go ahead, keep talking about that comment. Okay, okay. <laughs> Maybe I might jump back in. Maybe. <laughs> um, and so the rest of the issue, um, Nightwing actually ends up going to Superman and having a conversation with him and about something that he wants to start. And we find out later that he is basically starting this foundation um, that he ends up calling um, the... Uh, Alfred Pennyworth Foundation because he has mm-hmm. all this money and he is very much like you know he doesn't feel like the world needs another billionaire and mm-hmm. um, he's got like set up this whole okay. foundation and set up money and stuff it's really it's a really interesting take on you know money and mm-hmm. what he would do if basically he was the Bruce Wayne of Bloodhaven okay so Alfred's still dead yeah Alfred's still dead dang I know, right? I thought he would have came back by now, too, but I guess they're kind of sticking with it. Okay. Poor Alfred. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, again, I will rate this book a four out of five. Bruno mm-hmm. Redondo's art is fantastic. Um, and, again, Tom Taylor really gets to the core of, like, Nightwing. I feel like, you know, Tom Taylor's writing can be very, like, light. Um, even if he, even if he, even if he puts the characters like through something, they still like kind of come out very, very light. And mm-hmm. that is the kind of character that like Dick Grayson is, is yeah. at his core. Okay. I can see that. I can, I feel like that's a pretty good matchup in uh, terms of like writing and character. And again, like you said, Bruno Redondo, I was a huge fan of his art when he was doing that Suicide Squad book with Taylor. And mm-hmm. It's fantastic. Like when you think about Nightwing, you think about the acrobatics, you think about fighting, you think about like how he's moving, and Redondo is like perfect to do yeah. that kind of stuff. Yeah. So great stuff. Again, shout out to the Nightwing fans. It's not always an easy ride for you all. 
It hasn't been, but we are we are rising up now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, up next is Superman and the Authority, which is written by Grant Morrison and art by Evan Cagle, Michael Janin, and Figo Asio. And um, again, wow, I am reading a Superman book and really loving it. <laughs> Welcome. But Welcome, I mean, everyone, also, by the like, way. You know, Apollo was in this, so yes. And Apollo was annoying in this. Like, how dare you? (laughs) Like, as I was reading this, I was, like, thinking about it. I was like, you know, he's always talking about, like, Wiccan and how he's annoying and all that. I was like, but all these characters he likes are annoying. I was like, Tim Drake (laughs) is annoying. Apollo is annoying. And um, Wonder Man's a little annoying, too. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, how dare he? Um... But no, I did actually really enjoy this issue a lot. It's so I kind of had like uh, an epiphany. I don't really feel like too much is going to happen in this book. It's only four issues, obviously. I feel like a lot of it is just kind of set up for the team. Like it's basically just like forming Superman's authority. But we already know that they're going to be appearing in multiple places throughout the DC universe after this book. So like I, that, that's all I feel like. I feel like this is just saying like. This is how Superman gets them. This is kind of what they're about. This is who they are. And then from there, all the other writers will give them their actual stories and stuff like in the other books. Because I know they're going to pop up in action comics. I think I saw something that might pop up in like one of the Justice League issues. It's a lot going on. So do you mean that them, like the entire Authority team or the characters individually? Um, Because I really hope to see more of this team. I really enjoyed this. Like the the uh, the whole authority team. The authority team, okay. Yeah. So like this is them coming together for whatever reason. Superman gets them, says this is because this is only four issues. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's like you know we pick everybody up. We kind of have like a quick little moment so they can have their team moment and come together. And then after that, it's Superman just having them throughout the rest of the universe helping him. Because for those who don't know, again, a big uh, overarching plot in the Superman books has been Clark is losing his powers. He's getting weaker. He is um, there. And John, when he was hanging out with the Legion in the future, he found out that there is a point in time where Clark just like stops existing. Like we don't hear about him anymore. So we assume that he dies. and I think this is all just kind of like ramping up towards that. Like we get Superman, he knows he's getting weaker, so he's got this team to help him do the other stuff. I don't think he's gonna die. I think it's something's gonna happen where he probably like goes into hiding and the I authority agree. just yeah. uh works on his behalf. Which is great because huge Midnighter fan here, huge Natasha Irons fan. Yeah, like, it was really cool to see her pop up. Um although I will say that like the section of her popping up and her going on the internet and fighting all of the very <laughs> cliche <laughs> uh, internet slang and trolls and stuff. It was corny, but like I get it because it like worked. it made sense she's, for her. It worked for her. She's the young one of the group. Yeah. Um, but love the dialogue here. I think Morrison hits all the characters' voices pretty excellently. Again, mm-hmm. um, Midnight and Apollo felt like themselves. Uh, Enchantress. I've never like honestly really got too heavy into DC's version of Enchantress. Um, I think she's got a hot design, but the character herself, it's just never really clicked with me, but I liked her here. Uh, Manchester Black, I'm still digging. Clark, yeah, I really like her. Uh, Janin's art of the team looks 
fantastic. His Clark is like, I think Midnight even made a comment. He was like, we're not doing the young Gen Z Superman. We're going with like sexy daddy Superman. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so, yeah. And, and Apollo was like, oh. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> oh <okay. laughs> we can join now. <laughs> um, so good book. I'm, I'm really into it. I'm excited to see this team and where they go. Yeah, for sure. Um, I really hope that they see more of this authority team. I hope that I would love to see this roll into their own book um, or whatever instead of just kind of the pop-ups for them. I'd definitely read a, an authority book. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, what would you rate this issue? Um, I would rate it a three out of five um, just because obviously we had a couple of artists in this book. So like that felt, um, I, although I liked all of the artists, I don't really think the different styles complemented each other very well, if that makes mm. sense. Um, and again, I don't feel like too much is going to happen in this book as a whole, as opposed to just setting this team up. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I would I would give it a three point five out of five. I really enjoyed um, the writing and and the art for me. Mm-hmm. While it at points definitely didn't kind of mesh well together. Um, individually, were all really great um, for what they were yeah. what they were there for. So, um, like I said, I really really liked this this issue. Again, Apollo was back, so this was great. <laughs> if you've never read Steve Orlando Midnight Air series, people, you should read it. it definitely, it's really good. And then follow that up with the Midnight and Apollo run. Uh, also great. If you want. <laughs> All right. Um, up next is Guardians of the Galaxy number 17. And this was written by Al Ewing with art by Juan Frigeri. And again, great issue for me. Um, you know what? <laughs> Maybe you were right. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right about what? I have, I have been enjoying a lot of things that magic has been popping up in. But that's mm-hmm. because that the writers that I enjoy also for some reason like magic so mm. hey, I'm, I'm along for the ride i guess you know mm. that is so interesting um so we get in this issue it opens with captain glory of the lethal legion dead, dead. <laughs> <laughs> like no warning just dead and we saw last issue that he was like broken out of jail and this is going to be the big thing of um Hulkling saying we need to bring him into the fight because we need assistance with this. And this issue, we see that he's dead. So uh, that just goes to show you how powerful Dormammu and his forces have become at this point. Um, yeah. Hulk, it even says that Hulkling himself would have almost died had they not like teleported him out of there. Um, so close. <laughs> or you know maybe uh, Wiccan probably helped bring him out of there or something. Uh, well, no, they said I think they said that they were like. They're like light years apart apart right now. Sword got him out, didn't he? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So, uh, it comes to find out, uh, turns out that all of this, like, mayhem have been happening on these different planets, and they've been forming this pentagram uh, that Dr. Doom has told everyone that, uh, you know, this is what's going to happen now. Uh, we need to go to this point, because that's going to be the next step of the team decides to break up into teams or at least Rocket Raccoon has a plan for them to break up into teams and tackle the different points. But Nova is 
not having not like Nova. Me neither. Okay, I'm sorry. I just had to say that before <laughs> you went any further. And again, I think I, I've said this before when I was doing that reread of the New Warrior stuff, mm-hmm. and I didn't like him in that. And anything that I have read since then mm-hmm. that has him in it, because for some reason he seems to be in a lot of things that I'm reading nowadays, I just do not enjoy him. Like, I don't like this character, like, at He's all. An asshole. He's an asshole. He's very unlikable. It even, it's, it's interesting that they kind of kept that like consistent for him like even as a kid he was <laughs> a little he's asshole like, he's very annoying. all he does is complain it's like shut <laughs> up <laughs> um you know i guess every group has one i guess mm. uh, but him. he again is doesn't want to do this because he doesn't want to work with doom he doesn't trust them and he's like basically dividing the team gomora ends up going with him even though like star lord decides not to because he feels like the stars align him to go the other way. I also love how they've been separating those two. Like slowly but surely, the rift is coming because they do not see eye to eye. And like yeah. soon that friendship will be broken and I'll never have to see them together again. Love Yeah, them. what's going on with them? I thought they were like besties. Not anymore. Rocket. <laughs> <laughs> I guess so. Um, I guess mess going on within the Guardians of the Galaxy. Ever since Star-Lord became like Starlord again. His, his, I was gonna say he got his personality back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, he was no longer like the dude bro from the MCU. The MCU. Ugh, yeah, dark times. So the teams end up breaking up, and they go to the uh, Chitari homeworld, and uh, they end up being basically overrun. Doom ends up letting out this uh, big wave of Doombots, and there's this whole like really cool fight. We get some Quasar action in there. Mm-hmm. I really think I would be a fan of Quasar if there was a different person in the the role. <laughs> <laughs> like for both of them, or just? I think I like the powers. Oh, the quantum band thing. Yeah. I can see that for you. A couple of people have had those po- those bands too, haven't they? No. Uh, the so oh, the window. Wendell is like the original one, like he's mm-hmm. like the first one. Um, and then um, I think <laughs> no, because they were taken and then using to blow up uh, the Cree homeworld. Oh, that's I thought, why the Cree homeworld uh, doesn't exist anymore. I thought the six one six Philabel had. Them. Oh yeah, she had them at one point too. Yes, that's right. She's dead though. So. Yeah, she yeah she died. You don't you don't like you don't like the girl the girl Quasar. Kim I Kate? mean, she's only been around like maybe twice. I don't know. If I that's that's like, that's did she come? Didn't she like first appear in? Was she in Standoff or what was that? Uh, maybe like the Pleasant Hill thing, and then yeah. she was in Secret Avengers, Secret Empire. But I remember mm-hmm. she was in a coma for like the first half of it. Yeah, then she was like, I think she almost died. Yeah. Then she finally awoke from her coma, I think, in maybe Secret Empire or something. She had like it was it was during that moment Carol actually had like a really heartfelt speech. It was after Civil War II, her event. Yeah. And yeah. she was trying to like basically she was uh saying like, Oh, I've messed up a lot of stuff and she needed her to like wake up and she woke up and she like had a Mary Sue moment and like saved the day. Yeah. But nothing. I don't I can't tell you anything about her personality. Exactly. So that's why I would love someone else had these bands. Because <laughs> I actually do like the powers. Um, <laughs> um, but we get these really cool action fights out there. And um, 
uh, I think it was Nova who started to piece some things together and he's realizing that he remembered that like Galactus or whatever could uh, like join heads or something and uh, Quasar is the one who reminds him that oh yeah there was a thing that could happen and then we have this big page of Dormammu basically this like giant Galactus sized uh, Dormammu um, so that's going to be some crazy big thing that they have to end up fighting within this last annihilation. So I've been enjoying this book a lot. This yeah. issue was great for me having some great cosmic fun out here in this, in this book. Um, this definitely gets a four out of five for me. Okay. I would agree with that. I really enjoy it. I re- obviously it's like out Ewing, so. Right. Right. I don't think I would not enjoy it, but again, Magic in space is working. You wouldn't really expect that from too many places. Um, but yeah. he does it well. I really enjoy like the entire scene of Doom explaining the pentagram to the team and like why all those places were getting attacked and like what they represented in terms of like the spirit and the storms and like the fire. And I was like, yes, this is hot. This is it also it kind of made me think that maybe I should get into Doctor Doom a little bit more. Because he's like a magic guy. You know, I was going to ask you about this if you would end up liking him because Doom is one of those characters that I really like. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, I'm a big Fantastic Four fan. Um, and even though I don't like magic, I like what he does with magic because he mixes the science and the magic together. So I was going to ask you if you were a fan because I know he probably pops up in magic stuff. Like, Yeah, he does, a like, a lot. I think about even, like, when uh, Dark Avengers first came out, it was, like, him fighting Morgan Le Fay. Uh, he's mm-hmm. going to be in Excalibur in a couple of months in one of their issues. He's popping up in the Death of Doctor Strange issue. Um, he's going to be oh, in the yeah. Darko book. He's like, oh yeah, I forgot he's in like the. He was like the main. Yeah, they person, they're right? like he's he's like on a magic world tour right now, and I'm into mm. it. And um, so it's been making me think that I should get into him. And then you know, I think you actually brought it up to me as well. He's a political character. Like he yeah. he, he rules a nation. I love a good political character. Actually, I think you would actually really like Doom. Except um, for I don't like Namor. I think you end up so. liking Doom, especially when it's Doom and he's ruling uh, Latveria, like. Mm-hmm. Being that king over there, and he hates Reed. <laughs> I think you, you, I think you really <laughs> like Doom. <laughs> he hates Reed, um, but likes Sue. I think, I think you like. Yeah. <laughs> I think so you I, like might, I might, I might, you know, the Doctor Doom stands out there. If you got some recommended reading, stop by, stop by my mentions on Twitter or something like that. You know, let me know, especially if it's magic related. I don't, I don't want no like. <laughs> you know him building a machine or something to defeat the Fantastic Four. Yeah, no. Let let me see him doing some spells. Yeah. Oh, you probably like the run with him when he had laughed at Reed because <laughs> Reed had magic blow up in his face and he couldn't fix it. Okay. <laughs> All right. Up next is Moon Knight number two. And um, this was written by Jed McKay. And who was on art for this? The art, I, can't, I cannot remember his name. Hold on, let me look at that right now. Why we have a comicsology app right there in my face. Um, but while I look for that, I'll talk about the issue. The issue was good. Jed McKay is basically, he's kind of doing a soft reboot for Moon Knight a little bit in this book. So we obviously still know that everything that he has been through existed. Like he still has his DID. He's still, uh, Khonshu is locked up right now, so Moon Knight is kind of acting on his own in terms of, like, making sure that he protects the people of the night. Alessandro Capuccio 
what's his name? He's a brand new artist. I think this is actually the first Marvel work he's ever done. First comic book work he's ever oh, done. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. And so in this uh, Midnighter, Midnighter, oh, look at me. Moon Knight <laughs> actually has a new assistant. In the first issue, there was this girl who was turned into a vampire. And so uh, Moon Knight has taken her in to help him with his little midnight mission thing. And she's basically the secretary. And she's kind of struggling with, like, you know, her new urges as a vampire and, like, dealing with this new life. And he's relates to that. He's like, I'm obviously somebody who was changed against my will as well. Like, I have a god who was living in my head who changed my brain waves and all this stuff. So I get that. And he's it's a nice little relationship he's building. Moon Knight has actually... And again, she's black. Moon Knight loves black people. Alright? I just need to put that out there. <laughs> I like, that's right. That's his crew. Like, um, a lot of his supporting <laughs> cast are, like, the hook. So it's like, I'm here for it. Um, that's right. But in this one, basically there are these old people who have gotten possessed and they're going around beating people up <laughs> and so one of the guys <laughs> comes to the midnight mission and he was like i couldn't fight them back because one of them was his mom so they go to the apartment complex and then all the old people in the apartment complex like come out and are ready to kill moon knight turns out that there's a janitor he is able to control people through his sweat so he has been putting his sweat into the water <laughs> of the apartment complex and slowly but surely and he like started with all the older people in the building because obviously they're more susceptible to it um so moon knight's like i'm not about to beat up all these old people so what he tells the guy instead he's like why don't you actually try and take control of my mind and so he like licks his sweat and when the guy so when the guy starts to control people he links with them and when he links with moon knight he goes into moon knight's mind and he sees that like moon knight's like my mind is not normal again i have been god touched i'm crazy i got all these personalities so the guy's like so overwhelmed and like ends up going crazy after being in midnight's mind he beats him all the old people are free he goes home um but the janitor was basically saying he was doing this under someone else's orders and Moon Knight's like, who are you working for? Who's the guy? And he doesn't tell him. But I don't know if you remember in the first issue, there was another uh, doctor who said he was a follower of Khonshu and he's been watching Moon Knight. So I think that was the guy who sent him after that. Because he says that Moon Knight is not a good follower of Khonshu. He's like, you've strayed from the past. You need to be taught a lesson because at the end of this issue, we see him watching him. And hmm. so in the next issue, it looks like they're going to fight. Oh, okay. So how are you how are you feeling about this like new era for Moon Knight? Do you feel like it's this is like kind of streamlining his stuff and uh can you know how when, when a new writer comes on and like there have been previous runs and yeah. they kind of want to make everything in the past still count but bring in something fresh at the same time. Yeah. Do you feel like that's kind of going on with this one? I do. I don't know how I feel about it yet. I'm going to be perfectly honest. I like a lot of the stuff that's happening. I like Jen McKay. I like some of the things that he has Moon Knight say. However, it doesn't really feel like the Moon Knight that I've read. I mean, but again, I, I, and I think I talked about this when I did that Moon Knight panel however long ago. Uh, go back and listen to it if you haven't, if you're new. <laughs> that, uh, <laughs> that Moon Knight has been a little inconsistent in a lot of his runs because a lot of writers do kind of come in and go with the whole like DID and different personalities and do their own spin on it. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's what's happening here. I don't feel like I've gotten enough yet to be like, oh yeah, I really like it or I hate it. It's it's intriguing. Again, I like that he's introducing some new villains. I like what he's saying. Even the part, uh, there's a scene where 
the janitor is in his head and Moon Knight's talking about all this stuff, he's like, yes, like, I have been God-touched. Like, look at my brain. It is this giant silver light of madness. Like, that sounds pretty cool. I like the relationship that he's building with the girl who is now his assistant. And so it's just kind of like, okay, let's just see how, like, we're good. I'm I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic. I'll say that. Mm. Okay. Um, and again, I like Jed McKay. I don't think he done that I haven't liked so far. Yeah, he's pretty good. Mm. Um, I'd rate it a 3.5 out of 5. Okay. That's the art's right. good. Um, you, can't, you can tell that he hasn't done much comic work before, but it's still pretty good. In my opinion. Okay, that's pretty solid. All right, up next is Way of X number five. And this was um, written by Cy Sperrier. And um, Art, I it was Art by. Take Bob it away. Um, this is good. I mean, I, I, I think, you know, I, I've said it before. I think Simon Spurrier is a little bit of a divisive writer. I've seen you either are like going to enjoy him or you're not. You know, there's not really too much of a gray area there. And I think a lot of the things he does in this book is very interesting. Um, it feels like that slice of life Krakoa book that a lot of people wanted, but just kind of taken to the next level. Obviously, you're dealing with a lot of different things. You're dealing with like Kurt thinking about spirituality and religion, um, forgiveness. It's asking questions about these mutants and then being on Krakoa. And, you know, if death doesn't matter, then what is life? You know, why do I have to? One of the things that he's trying to do is like get the character lost to forgive Fabian Cortez because apparently Cortez might have like killed her parents at one point in time. Oh, okay. And so, you know, she's like, why do I have to forgive this man? Like, it's not like we're going to die. What, you know, just asking those type of questions and Kurt's like, life does matter. Like, even if we still come back, like everything has to have a purpose. Everything has to have a point. Like, what is the point of doing all of this if it doesn't? And so you just see him kind of rumbling with those questions. And obviously you have the background plot of Onslaught is back and he's kind of making people on the island very angry. And mm. the, the last issue we saw that he corrupted a bunch of people and it forced Legion and the Scorn Brothers to like kill everybody who was in the Green Lagoon. And so the start of this issue actually shows them uh, Emma bringing people back. And so they bring Charles back and they're like, all right, you got to help with the rest of the resurrections now. Jesse Bedlam was also one of those resurrections. So shout out to no. him for once again making his appearance. <laughs> like happening, you know? Um, and so it's, it's, it's great. At the end of the issue, um, there's basically a giant... I think it was a comet, giant comet coming to destroy Mars. And so they're trying to like get the Iraq, oh, excuse me, planet Araco. And, uh, you know, they're talking about how they're trying to evacuate the planet and save everybody, but the Iraqi mutants are like, absolutely not. They're like, we will fight this thing. <laughs> I kind of love them. Uh, they're just right. like, is that all you got? <laughs> um, but Kurt ends up teleporting. He gets Fabian Cortez to boost his powers. like. Uh, enormous amount and so he ends up teleporting onto it and like teleporting it away oh so, wow, okay and then while he does that he obviously ends up dying in the process and so then they bring him back and then you know he's talking about like oh did i commit suicide like why would i do something like that and lost who also was um 
died previously during a fight with Cortez, um, she tells him, she's like, no, you died like saving people. Your death mattered, like, because again, all these things matter. Just a really good book. It's heartfelt. I find that it's easy to relate to Kurt in these questions. It's like, you know, again, if you're on this island of paradise where everyone lives forever, then what questions come with that? Like, mm-hmm. what do you do? What do you do now? Like, if nothing's bad, everything also can be good. And so how do you move forward in that next step? And I think it's just been a really interesting series. This this was the last issue. It was only five. There is a special coming up in, a I think, next month. Uh, where they're kind of going to resolve the onslaught plot. And I'm excited. It was a good book. Nice little five issues. Highly recommended to people. I know, I won't lie, I heard some rumblings and I had a lot of people uh, say that they were upset at the way Lost has been treated in this book, Mm. that she was basically like a plot device for Kurt, which I honestly will agree with. However, I'm going to be honest, it doesn't really upset me just because every (laughs) character is not meant to be like the best thing walking. Some people are just going to be plot devices. I'm sorry. Right. She's cool, though. Right. She's got kill powers. It's like gravity. Uh, she's something. <laughs> um, speaking of something, up next is Trial of Magneto <laughs> number one. Oh, yeah. Uh, did you read this? Oh, no. No, I did not read this. Why would I read this? <laughs> <laughs> no thanks. Um, the trial of Magneto. It's. I mean, honestly, I mean, honestly, for me, like, a, I wouldn't read this because nothing that the writer has ever written I've ever enjoyed. So why would I? It's probably not going to change at this point. And B, as far as Wanda, like, in the trial of Magneto goes, like, it's either she's going to be immune or she not. I like. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Um, so, the, yeah. It don't really yeah. matter that matter to me. <laughs> so, In the Trial of Magneto, it's written by Leah Williams, and the art is by Lucas Wernick. Uh, beautiful art. Like, let me say that off the gate. Like, truly, even if you are not a fan of the writing, the art completely carries this book. Um, we start out, obviously, for those who have been keeping track, Wanda died at the end of the Hellfire Gala. We are trying to discover who killed her. So in the beginning, we see X-Factor is returned and together, and they are investigating her death. They're just talking about, like, all the clues they found. We've got, like, Dokken, uh, Rachel, iBoy, Prodigy, all going over the scene and talking about things, laying out the land. We kind of discovered that apparently Wanda's arms were bound by metal, it seems like. And so... While they're doing that, we have Magneto. He is at the council, and he's talking about he wants them to resurrect Wanda. He's like, we have the means to do it here on Krakoa. Even if she is a human, like, we can take the resurrection protocols to the next level. I want to bring her back. Uh, Nightcrawler and Shadowcat, Xavier puts it to a vote because they're all going back and forth. Um, So Xavier puts it to a vote, and Shadowcat and Nightcrawler are both on Magneto's side. They vote to bring Wanda back. However, the rest of the council, who is Storm, Emma, Exodus, Sinister, and Mystique. (laughs) (laughs) They all vote against it. (laughs) Um, And so that that sets Magneto off. And he's like, you, and because Xavier tells us, he's like, all right, we can't bring her back. And Magneto's like, no, you can. You just don't want to. (laughs) And they're like, I mean, yeah. 
So he kind of goes off and he like starts fighting them. He storms off. Then X Factor and them come to confront Magneto and they're like, "Hey, we think you're the one who killed Wanda." And they just start to fight. Uh, he fights Wolverine, Dak, and the team. Him and Lorna have a moment where he kind of like tries to chastise her a little bit. She's like, "You know, you're my dad, uh, but you've been doing bad things." And he's like, "You know, you're sick in the head." <laughs> <laughs> Basically, he's like, oh, you know, unhinged and this that. Um, but she says something. She's like, you know, you tried to mold me into this, but I'm stronger. It's a, it's, it's a nice little family drama. Um, Pietro ends up running onto the island. He almost oh. beats Magneto to death because he's like, you killed Wanda. They stop him. They finally get Magneto in stasis. And we, there, there was this one moment that I did find kind of awkward, and it had the Brotherhood of Mutants. They were at the Green Lagoon, and they were basically like mourning Wanda, and that just didn't feel natural to me. Because it's like, why would they care? How first of all, how long ago was she a part of the Brotherhood of the Evil Mutants? Okay. And she was on the team for like five minutes. I was gonna she say she was like only it. there for like two hours. <laughs> <laughs> she didn't even like it. And I don't think we've actually ever seen her interact with any of those characters since. No. So that was kind of weird. Um some of the dialogue did feel a little wonky in certain places, but I got the kind of I got the gist of what was supposed to be going on. It's supposed to be, it's a big soap opera. It's a lot of family drama here. We see different parts of family. We see the house of him. We see Magneto and Dak, and we see um, like the Summers crews around. Um, at the end of the issue, we see Wanda. She's having her own little monologue, and we basically see who kills her. We don't see who kills her, but we see someone in a white cloak who kills her. And she's talking about, like, how she's dying, but she's not apparently dead. She seems to be in some weird place at the end. There's a data page, and it's, like, these little black circles with arrows and the words, where am I? So we're going to see where she is. My personal theory is that she's in the white hot room. I've already, Some people have already tried to debunk it for me because, obviously, the room where we see her, it's not white. But when um, we first get to her, her, like, costume is completely white. And mm. then the person stabs her, and then the blood, like, goes over the costume. Be- be- again, beautifully drawn by Lucas Wernick. Um, the blood, like, starts to wash over her, and it turns her costume, like, the crimson scarlet color that it's known for. But I felt like her, the costume being white in the beginning was kind of like a clue that maybe she's in some form of the white hot room. I've also been told she's a nexus being, so apparently she can get there. Mm. I don't know. I think, and I think this will be into the whole thing about how she gets her powers back, or she gets her X-Gene back. Huh. I really wish I really wish that um, Scarlet Witch could finally get a story where she is like involved. In <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know. It's not just things happening to her. She'll never mm-hmm. be free. Because this is giving House of M again, where like everything is just happening around her, and she just kind of is the like. And everyone's making the choices for her, and she has no real agency. Yeah, it's given that. I mean, again, again, this is only the first issue. So I think that wherever she is, that is all supposed to be a part of, like, her story and her agency and, like, mm-hmm. having her and seeing how she feels about it. I kind of, I've said it before, I like Wanda. Mm-hmm. You know, I might talk, I might share her a little bit, talk about her. I get it. House of M, she killed a bunch of people. But. Yeah. She's she fun. Can be fun. <laughs> she's messy. She's messy, yeah. so she could be fun. <laughs> she, she, she's a fun girl. Um, and so I'm I'm gonna I'm this 
made me realize I'm going to pick up the second issue. And depending on how the second issue, we'll see if I continue on with it. I, again, it's only five issues. So is it monthly or is it weekly? I think it's monthly still. Oh, oh really? I, mean, I think, maybe. I think? No, yeah, I think it's still monthly. When does Inferno start? Doesn't that start like next month? I thought that's maybe I think that starts in October. Hold on, I'm about to look at it right now. Huh. So they're gonna be going at the same time? I think so, yes. Huh. I didn't know that was uh, the case. I thought they would have resolved the her death before Inferno. The world goes up in flames and Jonathan Hickman's in Inferno. Oh, no, it does start next month. It starts in September. Oh, wow. So, yeah, they're going to be going at the same time. But we'll see. I would give this a 3.5 out of 5. Again, the art carries the series. Mm-hmm. I think the story itself is fine. It's pretty straightforward, um, especially for an opening issue. You get a lot of family drama. Again, some of the dialogue is a little wonky, and it's kind of like, mm, something some people say. It's like either you just feel like people don't really talk like this and I get it it's a comic book people don't always have to talk like they do in real life but at the same time it's like this is a little over dramatized um and some of them some some things that Lorna said was a little like girl that's don't sound right <laughs> and then she was like because she was like because it's like again she's like crying and it's like why are you crying hey you don't even like Lorna. and how many times have you like why does she always make that girl cry <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, that was yeah. She don't even like water like that. She don't. So that like that was kind of weird. It was just like what? And then she like said something to Magneto about how he's constantly leaving women in his wake, broken and dead. And it was just like, girl, what? Why would Lorna care? Yeah. So that was kind of weird. But other than that, there was a lot of other. Um, it was fine. It was fine. Three point five. The art carries. Were there any other books this week that you wanted to mention? That you had on your list? Yeah. I had I had I had quite a little bit of a pool this week. Um, Black Cat number nine came out. That's always consistently good. Jeff McKay. Gamma Flight number three came out. Uh, Al, we, Al Ewing and Crystal Fraser worked together for that book. Again, the Gamma Flight series is so good. I really enjoy the way that Al Ewing has created this entire universe with the Hulk. And like with Immortal Hulk 50 coming up soon, he's off the book. And it's like, I'm never going to read a Hulk book again. And it's like <laughs> still blowing my mind. Still blowing my mind. Um, Barbarella number two came out uh, from Sarah Hoyt. That was cool. We'll see. Um, and Catwoman number 34 from Ram V and Federico, uh, Federico Blanco also came out, which is like consistently fantastic. And that one, Batman actually makes an appearance in it. And like him and mm. Catwoman have their little moment. And she has this big fight scene with the villain who's been trying to kill her the entire time. Uh, really good stuff. Like, again, if you're a Catwoman fan or you've ever been interested in Catwoman, I, you should definitely hop onto this run. Hmm. All right, y'all. Well, check those out. Those were the comics of the week. Let's take a little break and then we'll come right back. Cool. All right, everybody, we are back. Hello for another panel today. 
we're going to be doing a character that is very special and near and dear to my heart. Someone that I have loved since I was a child. I've kind of realized, like, everything's not that great. But nonetheless, <laughs> want to talk about the good times. <laughs> we're going to be talking about Blade. Mr. Eric Brooks himself. Yes. Now, everybody knows I'm a vampire aficionado. If it has vampire content in it, I am more than likely going to consume it. Whether it be TV, books, film, radio, whatever. I actually have this book that I bought. Um, it's like the history of vampires, like throughout time and like the world. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, it gives you like. Um, I went. I went to New Orleans one year, and so in New Orleans they actually have uh, this store that is literally just like vampire content, like that's all they do it's like just books about it uh you can get like little knickknacks representing that the girl who works there she actually makes custom things for people i was going to get a pair but i was on i was just there on the vacation quick trip so i couldn't i had the time to wait um but i hope she's doing all right i hope they survived the pandemic oh yeah because they deserve that would have been <laughs> I would, could you get like some gold things that would have been kind of hot that's what i was gonna get yeah <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna Google and see if they're still going. Um, but obviously, within that, uh, Blade is a character who falls into that category of vampires. However, um, I also think Blade is interesting. Now, I say that I think Blade is interesting. It's very funny because I don't think Blade has very many good comic books. Oh, so <laughs> all right. Um, so for those who don't know, we'll obviously talk a little bit about the history of Mr. Brooks. He um, was created in 1973. His first appearance was in a book called The Tomb of Dracula. Um, and this was by Marv Wolfman and Gene Colan. Now, he appeared in this ser- series for like a few issues, but uh, Marv actually ends up taking him out of it for like a year. And then brings him back later on and he did interviews later on in life saying that the reason that he took Blade out of the book is because he didn't enjoy the way that he was writing him. But basically he was giving him that um, quote unquote Marvel black dialogue. Oh, yes. Yeah. And he said he didn't like it. He didn't feel right that he was doing it. And so, but he could also tell that Blade was the type of character who was going to like take off and he was going to uh, basically more popular than the characters that the book was actually about so he was oh, like between all that right. and then <laughs> yeah <laughs> so he was like he was like between that and the way he was writing him he was like i'm just gonna take him out this book for a while and then when he brought him back a year later he uh made it a point to write him more straightforward like a normal person with regular dialogue um and so jing colin creates the character they like specifically knew they wanted him to be black so colin did his features off of a bunch of black actors who he looked at and specifically the nfl football star jim brown who was also became an actor later on in life so um, that so i mean later appearances obviously he looks a lot like wesley slimes uh, but <laughs> i was gonna say yeah <laughs> <laughs> he was supposed to look like jim brown and so he kind of just has a bunch of appearances here and there throughout the marvel universe uh he really rises to prominence more in the 90s because who didn't pop off in the 90s mm-hmm. um and you know he pops up in things like ghost rider dark stalkers he has an appearance in like the dark hold series that comes out then he actually has a lot of appearances with ghost rider like i don't know why people are pairing them up people for some love reason that combo but they are like a duo and i do not like ghost rider so i never understand it um but midnight sun <laughs> Morbius, 
uh, he just pops up in all these places. Obviously, he is the vampire guy. So he follows that supernatural route, and he's always there. So I've realized a lot of times when I read Blade's stories, he hasn't had many. But I find that the ones that he has had are very rarely good. And I say this, and and this is both in terms of writing and art. And I say this only because I believe the Blade kind of gets stuck. Obviously, he's a vampire. He's a vampire hunter. And so many writers don't ever take him beyond that. So it's like you get into these stories and it's like, all right, he's just going around staking people for like 20 pages for 15 (laughs) issues. And it's just like, okay, it gets a little boring after a while. But then even so, the vampires themselves, I don't think the Marvel Vampire Nation has ever been very well thought out in terms of like Mm. making it feel more real or grounded and stuff like that it's always just a bunch of mindless monsters doing whatever and so again when you just have this guy kind of i and you and i have talked about this i think the biggest fault for any hero in comics is always going to be how strong their rogues gallery is yeah if they do not have a good enough rogues gallery then they won't last because you're going to want to read these characters to watch them fight somebody. It's like, that's, you know, that's what superhero comics are all about. And so after a while, when you're just fighting like mindless drone after drone, a vampire, it's like, okay, what else you got? And so I know some writers have tried to like redo it and they maybe had him try and go against other things, but it never sticks. Or what Marvel would do is they'll like do an event with vampires and they'll put Blade in all of the books because obviously he's the vampire hunter. But then I think that's what you hit the other issue is that the vampires don't always work in a lot of other Marvel properties. Like, you know, the X-Men have fought vampires before. The Avengers have fought vampires. Oh, child. I, you, know, you know how I feel about vampires in my X-Books. <laughs> yeah, it just, it just doesn't always click because it's like, it just doesn't make sense. You know what I'm saying? And again, um, I think that that's something that a lot of people have had trouble kind of doing. I will say, though, we might, you know, give Jason Aaron and his Avengers run a lot sometimes on, on how iffy it is. But he has been fantastic for Blade. The way he did the Vampire Nation, I think I, I, I might have talked about this a little bit here, but basically he had it so Dracula was trying to destroy the world per usual and the vampires are going around i'm sorry actually there was a group of vampires who wanted to kill dracula (laughs) and so in doing that they were like destroying people they were like using rats as blood bombs um they were attacking people they were looking for him and so what dracula ends up doing is like relocating to russia in chernobyl and so he takes over the chernobyl area because oh yeah i remember i think i remember you talking about this yeah, the humans can't go there, but the vampires are perfectly fine there with all this radiation and stuff like that. And so that becomes the start of the new vampire nation. They're starting to get a little bit more intelligence and able to act on their own. We see some have like different abilities, so they get a little bit more to the supernatural. Again, this is what you needed for these stories. And with that, Blade ends up actually going to be the sheriff of this vampire town in this run and so but then we got the heroes reborn so i don't know what's happened after that i didn't check in after heroes reborn because that was that weird she hulk arc and i'm not reading that and and so through despite blade not having a lot of singular stories that i think are that great he is really good in a lot of ensemble books that he's been in uh paul cornell and leonard kirk's captain britain in my 13 book fantastic 
Blade pops up there. Um, he's a really fun member of the team. He dates Spitfire, which is also another thing that G's characters need is romantic interest. Blade has had a few romantic interests, but they've never really been like standouts. The one with Spitfire is actually really good. Um, Al Ewing obviously brings him into Mighty Avengers in 2013. He has him join the team for a little bit, although he leaves because, again, one of the things about Blade is that he's a loner. So even when he's on these teams, he doesn't stay for very long because he has to go and do his own thing, which is like also kind of boring outside of a rose gallery okay. <laughs> you need to see these people interact with somebody they cannot always be alone um so those are probably like three of the biggest books that i would recommend for people to read if you want to get a little bit more into blade if you really do want to check out the solo titles he had like this one that ran in the 90s called blade the vampire hunter it was only 10 issues from ian eddington and don wheatley um, he had a six-issue miniseries that also came out in the 90s from Don McGregor. However, Marvel only published three issues of it. Oh. Yeah, don't ask me why. I have no idea. Um, he also had another solo series from Christopher Hines in 2002. And then there was one more series after that from Mark Guggenheim. And if you know me, you know I'm not a fan of Mark Guggenheim. Yeah. So. <laughs> the X-Men goal was so bad. I don't think I've ever read a comic from the man that I enjoyed. Mm. <laughs> um, and, that, and that Blade book was no exception. But again, it's, it, it just it, it shows that a lot of people don't really want to take Blade he to the next He also did a lot of the uh, CW shows. Well. <laughs> what, is, what does that tell you? What is that? Um, you know, again, I think it just kind of says that with Blade, they just really keep him in that like one spot which was why i was really excited for when that series was going to come out with his daughter mm. and I, I i've told you the story about what happened with that right uh no but tell the people so there was going to be a new blade series it was going to introduce a daughter for his character named Fallon gray it was going to be written by tim seeley um he was really excited to do it tim seeley is known for doing like a lot of horror comics um he loves like the supernatural type of stuff so he was really excited to do it however this was at a time in marvel where a lot of people were calling for diversity uh and not just and like i mean we still do it to this day but it was like very very big back at that point and it wasn't necessarily just diversity within the books, but it was also within the people writing the books. And so when this Tom Seeley book got announced, there was this huge uproar. And everyone was basically like, why is this black man, I mean, excuse me, yeah, why is this black man and his black daughter being written by this white man? We want a person of color to write stories about characters of color, which, fair. Um, Tom Seeley, he, uh, he he heard it. They actually ended up getting a fool Richardson, uh, who, if you don't know her, she's a fantastic artist, a black woman. She actually turned out to be the artist for the book and they were going to do it. But the controversy was just like so high at the time. Tim Seeley actually ended up dropping off the book. He was just like, you know what? Honestly, the people are right. If they want someone black to write this character, then that's their right. And so I'm just not going to do it. They never found anyone else to do it. Afua Richardson actually came out later and she was a little upset about it because she had already drawn the first like three issues of the book. And so mm -hmm. she was really excited. And she was like, well, y'all made me lose the job. <laughs> <laughs> and so she was like, that kind of sucked. Um, and since then, we haven't seen anything with Blade or Fallon to this day, which I still kind of think they might do, especially when we get a little bit closer to the movie. Mm -hmm. And Maharshala, because 
Maharshala Ali is going to be Blade. And so you know that series is going to come because if there's one thing that MCU, uh, that the Marvel Universe does, is they keep that MCU synergy. Now, that is something that they always will have, yes. Star Lord is just now losing it. Okay. Yes. <laughs> and that was down bad. Yeah, um, at least it let the last 10 years. At least. Like, no, for sure. <laughs> I'm I'm counting it down. That means I'm gonna get that Fantastic Four relaunch when it's time for that movie to come out. <laughs> um and so yeah, so like that series just never came to fruition and we've never spoken about it again. It just went defunct. Again, I do think it's going to come back out soon, which I'm hopeful for. Secretly, between you and I and the people listening and watching, um, I think that I'm like 43% sure that that's what Hickman's secret project is going to be hmm. now that he's leaving the X-Men. For those who don't know, Hickman's leaving the X-Men. After <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, I I don't know. It does seem like, like I said, it not only does it seem like a lot of uh, characters are missing, it seems like a lot of books are like ending, or at least they're feeling <laughs> like they're coming to an end before the start of the new year. So that I mean, feels like he's going to be doing something pretty, probably big to usher in whatever next wave Marvel mm-hmm. has. Again, and I think with Hickman, I mean, yeah, with Blade and, and Hickman and that whole theory is that like I was saying, Blade doesn't have like a huge supporting cast or like too many characters that he's done or in the Vampire Nation has not been very well thought out. And I think before the movie comes out, they really want to start building on his stories and they want to capitalize off the character and like what that means and what his personality mm-hmm. is and like who he deals with and who better to do that than the man who literally builds worlds all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, plus, um, Blade technically should be like considered an A-list character. Really? I, really? I mean, he should be. He, like, leads his own books. He, again, Wolfman didn't want him in the book for a while because he knew he was going to take it over. <laughs> Fair. Uh, I mean, I and his movies were, like, so popular, I remember, back in the day, so. His his movies basically started the Marvel Cinematic Universe, all right? They did, they did. Blades 1, 2, and 3, oh, not 2, well, not 3 so much, but... Uh, <laughs> One and two, like, fantastic. I was actually just watching them the other day. Shout out to Wesley Snipes. He did that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, there's this one uh, Blade vs. Wolverine series that's, like, again, not the greatest, but it's really fun to watch just because they're fighting a lot. But the guy who draws it, he makes Blade look like Michael J. White, and it is the funniest thing in the world. <laughs> it's just like, come on. Because uh, Michael J. White was another one who wanted to be Blade. For oh, quite sure, a yeah super exciting um, um but oh go ahead how do you make like vampires fresh um like how do you make that not just him going around staking i think again you have to give them some agency like vampires have been around in media forever mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying and we have seen you know i've been watching um castlevania recently and i, I gotta say <laughs> okay. Okay. I normally I normally do not like vampires. Like it's not like I like I hate them or whatever. It's just like I don't go I don't go up from like that. Mm-hmm. It's whatever. But Castlevania has been so good. Um And honestly, I wow, think Castlevania is like 
Okay, in the last season. Third season was a little fun, but the last season, when you get to that last season, oh my gosh, we gotta talk about that. Um, but I think <laughs> Castlevania is honestly a, like a perfect example of how a vampire story can be done right, but again, you have to give those vampires the agency. You can't, I get it, you want to have like the carnage and the chaos and the lack of control, because that's what a big part of vampire stories are about, is like control. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also like some seduction and sexuality in there, that's always fun. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> you have to kind of put them in a spot where you remember that they might be dead but they're still alive and they're still people and like they still have like goals and ambitions or whether it be to take over to destroy or like help you have to build that world up around blade you have to put blade in a position where not only does he want to kind of stop them from doing some of the things but he also has to be willing to work with those who aren't trying to kill everybody Mm. um but yes, that's what you have to do for the vampires, which I think is starting to happen. Again, they're in Chernobyl right now, chilling in Russia, doing their thing. But it's really only Dracula who has like that agency and like the personality and stuff like that, where the rest of the mindless monsters, you have to start making the other ones want to do things and give them So do plans. you think you have you need more vampire hunters or like sheriffs like him? Or do you think that they just need to have more like uh, known vampires? I think you need a mix of both. You definitely need the hunters because you need a threat. Every every hero, you 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 need you need people trying to kill Blade because he is half vampire. Mm. Honestly and truly, you have to. Even though he is the vampire hunter, you have to put him in a position where he still remembers that, like, oh, he is also different himself. And I think that's something that a lot of writers miss. They just have it so built up on like the hate. And it's honestly an issue that I think the X Men have had similar. In their past, you know, a lot of times they were doing the whole we're protecting the world that hated and fears them. And it would kind of like miss the point because even though the X-Men were doing this, like you are still a mutant. So yes, you can protect these humans and you can do all these things that you want, but you gotta remember these people still don't like you either. Mm-hmm. And so have to have something for yourself, which is the Krakoa era, which is like why it's been so successful, because it does the things that the mutants should do. Again, they have the X-Men book right now where they're being superheroes, but they still go back home to their island. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Um, And so you need to also do that for Blade. Like, yeah, he can be out going here staking up all the bad vampires he wants, but he has to also remember, like, this is still a part of you. This is the part of you and you have to embrace it and say, okay, how do I use this for good and the better? The sheriff thing is great. We'll see how Jason Aaron does with it. Mm. You, th- you think he'll pick that back up again in his run? I mean, I don't really know. He, I saw a teaser that he's about to do something else with like the multiverse, and I'm just like, mm. Mm. I don't got time for that. I saw that, and it was it was giving uh, death metal from DC. Oh yeah, I didn't. I didn't. They did the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, he also needs a new costume. Oh, you are you over the um the sleeveless vest and the high top? It's, <laughs> it's 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 okay. Like we can we can even keep the trench coat because the trench coat mm. is iconic at this point. Like mm. that, I don't think that's ever gonna go anywhere. But we need to kind of like elevate the style. The haircut is like kind of weird. It's got like the like it's like a fade, but he's still got like mutt chops on the side. <laughs> it's um. It's, a, it's like a weird haircut type of situation he's got going on. Um, but I think Blade is always going to be a character who stays in the limelight 
I think he's similar to those characters who we talk about where you like watching them do their thing. You like watching them fight. Like, that's yeah. that's Eric Brooks. Like, even when he's not fighting vampires, when he's hanging out with the Avengers or he's hanging out with the X-Men or he's doing whatever, like, you like to watch him come in there and fight and, like, mess people up because he's going to be funny about it. He's going to be a little sarcastic. And then he's just going to go about his day. I'm like, that's fun. Everybody loves a fun movie. Now, with his daughter, do you think that uh, the the title of Blade should become like a mantle that's like passed down? With with her, I was okay. Not, ne- not necessarily with her, or just like in general. Do you think that Blade should become like a like a mantle, uh, like a legacy title? No. Um, I can't really tell you why. I don't. I just don't. I don't think it will work. Like you don't think you would, like maybe you want to see someone else as Blade? No. Like I feel like Blade is one of those characters where like he is cemented as Blade. I just don't see anyone else working in the title. I wouldn't mind something else, but I don't think I could see anybody else being Blade I, unless it again was the daughter. But that's more so just for the familial connection. If he had like a son or something, or like any other kids, or someone a part of his family taking it up, yes. But like some random Joe Schmo on the street, no. Mm-hmm. I don't think it would click the same. Hmm. Interesting. I always wondered if, if he could have like a a random sidekick or something. And, something but, a random, again, a random I, that he ends up and, becoming the new blade or something. I don't know. And I was about to say it might, it might just feel like it might not click for me because again the big thing about Blade has been that he is such a loner. You don't see anybody else with him. You don't. See, so it's like it's hard to see someone taking up that name randomly Mm -hmm. like no one like looks up to blade (laughs) what if they gave him his own like uh laura laura kenny then yes then i could see it um but again but again i think that's like similar to what i was saying about the door like it has to be someone who has like a connection with him i don't ever think a random person off the street just popping up saying like oh yeah i'm the new blade it's going (laughs) yeah yeah. <laughs> like, who are you? Like, you could have a random person going and becoming like Captain Marvel if they want to, because it's like everybody knows Captain Marvel. You got people who look up to her, like or Kamala becoming Miss Marvel. You could um even probably have it with Cap- like Captain America and all these other heroes. Like Blade, it just seems odd. Yeah. I would do it. <laughs> I was gonna say you probably would. <laughs> <laughs> But all in all, I think the excitement for Blade is really going to jump up again when we hit the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, Mahershala. He's going to look good. He's going to look real good. He's going to act down. I think he's going to act down. And if, if the Hickman book secretly isn't a Blade book, then... <laughs> Because it could, it could also be Doctor Doom. I kind of think they're gonna make Doctor Doom the Sorcerer Supreme. So, mm-hmm. I'm that might be Doctor Doom is more his type of character anyway. Uh, mm-hmm. But if it doesn't happen, then then it I think it will happen by the time the movie comes out. And when we get those first set photos, oh, oh yeah, got to see. yeah, yeah. It's him. Whenever however they're gonna have him look, he's gonna look dope. He's going. He's going to have on a trench coat. He's going to have on all black. I'm sure it's going to be like some type of bulletproof vest. He's going to have. I'm pretty sure he's going to have like a little stakes on his hip. 
Mm-hmm. He's going to have on some gloves. He's going to have on some black sunglasses. They love to give him those black sunglasses. They love those. They think they look like, cool. <laughs> they do. They do. Would, do you why. think they're going to follow the story of having his daughter in the movie? Yes. But do you think that would be the way I, they like MCUify his his kind of story? 100 percent Again, once the uh story with like the daughter was kind of made defunct, they because they always said that they wanted to bring it back. They just wanted to do it when it was the right time and like they had the right writers and things like that. I truly do think that because the MCU is all about longevity and like continuing on. And like we love Mahershala, but a lot of these actors as they get older, they don't want to do some of these roles anymore. Like being connected to those wires and having to jump on stuff, it takes a toll on the body. You know, uh, I think about Daniel Craig and how he's been playing James Bond for the last few years, and he was like, "This next one is probably going to be his last movie" because he's like, he is tired. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and so uh, Mahershala's around. I think he's like almost fifty. Mm-hmm. And as you continue on with like the blade story if that's a franchise that they want to keep going who else are you going to get to do it you gotta have a daughter because again he don't got nobody else <laughs> yeah and you can't have some random joe schmo on the street come up and be like it's gonna be foul yeah for sure but i was wondering what they would do with that but uh i, I would like to see it it should it should, it should definitely happen um but are you excited for the Blade movie? Um, not really. <laughs> you know, <laughs> not really. <laughs> but I'm gonna go support because you know, I'm gonna support gonna the black. If anything, it's going to be like. It's probably also gonna be lit. Like I'm sure the action in it is gonna like. Get I was about to say it's gonna be an action smorgasbord. Okay. Yeah. I've been seeing just a couple of these like little sneak clips that Marvel has been putting out for uh, Shang Chi. And mm-hmm. those look really good too. I mean, the fights, the action, and that has been given, so I'm it's sure gonna, it's gonna be hot. I cannot wait to see that first like trailer. I might cry. Mm-hmm. When's that supposed to come out? I don't know. It got pushed back. Oh, so yeah, that's I, probably I, right. Yeah, I think they're going to start production next year. Mm. It was so production was actually supposed to start October of this year, mm. um, but I think they pushed it back to June of next year. So. Mm. We'll see. We'll see. I think that everyone should do a little bit of Blade reading to get themselves ready. Again, like those specific three runs, like Captain Britain and MI-13, Jason Aaron's current Avengers run, uh, Al Ewing's Mighty Avengers. And again, Aaron's Avengers run is kind of fun for Blade, too. He's like formed a relationship with Man-Thing. He's formed Mm. a uh, Ghost Rider. He's had like a little uh, moment or two with Echo as well in her new role as the Phoenix. This has really been trying to cement his relationships with the like people in the Avengers and like showing that he doesn't always have to be the loner, which is great because he's going to need that for the MCU and like how he connects to these people. But I think again, we have to take it beyond that and you have to put him in a position where he now has people of his own to kind of fall back on when he's not with the Avengers. Are there other bigger names in the Marvel like universe that you want to see him with? Like, you know, the Thors, the Iron Mans, or whatever is like. I mean, me being biased, I love the good Thor story. So <laughs> I wouldn't be opposed to that. Um, he's got a pretty decent relationship with Captain America. He's met like Sam Wilson a couple of times. They've worked together, 
and uh, Sam's Falcon series that came out from Rodney Burns, Barnes, excuse me, um, Blade actually guest starred in that because Sam was fighting vampire. Well, he was fighting um, Blackheart, but Blackheart had like some vampire henchmen on his side. And so he joined him in to fight that. Um, he actually has really decent relationships with like some of the X-Men as well. He's helping Wolverine. because again, Wolverine, because um, again, the vampire, Marvel loves to do a vampire event. And so they just jumps around to go help everybody, which is like, you gotta love that. Mm-hmm. You gotta love I it. I checked tune out. <laughs> there's been, and there's been so many. There's mm-hmm. been so, so many. many. <laughs> there's been so many. And then it's like, again, they're never really that great. <laughs> mm-hmm. Because it's just like the same basic thing. It's just like waves of waves of like mindless vampires fight them. It's just like, all right, you gotta do something else now. So I do think 2022 will be the year of Blade. You heard it here first. Okay. All right. You did it here first. You heard it here first. I know that's right. <laughs> okay. Um, but, you know, I just want to do like a little quick chat about my vampy fave and get the people excited, tell them some things to read because, again, he is coming. You need to be ready. If you don't like vampires now, you better get on the train. <laughs> They're making a comeback. They always make a comeback in like cinema and media and all that stuff. You remember True Blood? You remember Twilight? You remember uh, The Strain, The Passage? Oh, I hate all of this. <laughs> what? I mean, I, I didn't really care for Twilight. Except True, True Blood. Blood. I did like True Blood. In the beginning, seasons, it was seasons, right. I was about to say seasons one through three. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Those things are excellent. But, um, you know, if you guys ever want to talk vampires, if you ever want to talk Blade, if you ever want to, like, trade some panels and things like that, please, again, hit me on the socials and let's discuss all things Fang. Yes. Oh, I should get a shirt with that. <laughs> That's kind of a slogan. I like it. <laughs> all right. So let's go ahead. Let's take a break and then we'll come back for another relaunch. Let's do it. All right, welcome back, y'all, for um, the special section that everybody loves. That is another relaunch. Of the show. <laughs> That's right. Um, okay, do you want to go first? Um, yeah, I'll go first. So, okay, um, go for my relaunch is for the week is Deadpool. Oh, um, I, I, oh I, please I, tell me a better idea for him. <laughs> I know, I know that's a little divisive for people. Everybody doesn't <laughs> like Deadpool. But I personally enjoy Deadpool a lot. I think he's a very fun character. I think when he is done correctly, there's a lot of nuance with him. And you kind of get things up, obviously, about his mental illness and like how the um, Weapon X program has affected his mental state, the scarring of his skin, him having cancer, the healing factor, just messing all of that up and how it do it. I always think about like the first Deadpool movie when they had Wade walking outside and like everybody was like looking at his skin like very kind of like taken aback and scared of him and like how just like visceral that reaction can be for a lot of people and I think when you get stuff like that with him it like really works well. I also really liked his relationship with Rogue. I don't know if anybody read that in Uncanny Avengers but it was kind of hot. So for Deadpool I think I I am point similar. I think I'm at a point with Deadpool that's similar to Wolverine and that I kind of want them to do something different. 
Deadpool is very well known as being the Merc with the mouth, and he's had like many series just kind of capitalizing off that mercenary business and what he does. I think right now in the run by Kelly Thompson, he's like king of the monsters, but he's it wasn't really for me, so I kind of let that go. Um, what I would actually like to see is Deadpool kind of take a little bit of a break and stop being a merc mercenary for a while and just relax. So, but what I honestly want him to do and my relaunch for him is it's a more of a character work type of book. He'd get he'd do something very Deadpool-ish, like get an RV. And in this RV, you just kind of he just takes a road trip and he just takes a road trip more so to like find himself. But of course, it's Deadpool. So like people are always going to be coming after him. They're going to be looking for him. They're going to try and do things. So he's going to get into the hijinks. He's going to fight people. He'll probably like ride us to different towns and like come into contact with people who he has to help. But of course, he doesn't necessarily do it as the Merc. He's just the guy who is like trying to help people and trying to find new um, a new lease on life. I guess is what I'm trying to say here. And with that, he would come across some people and have them by his side. So uh, a little bit of the supporting cast for him would be uh, Weasel, Bob, Agent of Hydra. I would bring back Negasonic, teen Negasonic Teenage Warhead. She actually popped up in one of his Merc series a few years ago. Her powers were different, though. She had, like, reality manipulation stuff. But I just thought that relationship was really nice and there are all people to keep him grounded in this series. I would also bring back the illustrious, the elusive copycat. Oh, okay. <laughs> yes. For his love interest, his best love interest, to be exact. Um, but in this story, again, I just kind of want to see Wade get back to having a little bit more of those character moments instead of just being like the funny, wacky guy all of the time. So I think having him step away from being a mercenary for a little bit, just on the road and getting more of the human aspect sides of De Deadpool is something I really want to see. So, that's my relaunch. Ooh, I like that. Okay, that would maybe get me a little bit more interested in him. Yeah. <laughs> Take a little And like Deadpool in an RV. Yeah. Deadpool in an RV going across the country just like seeing the sights and learning more about him and his personality. I don't mind when he pops up in some books. Just sometimes it's, it's it too much. It, it can be a little too much. I won't lie. I agree there. But... It won't be in <laughs> Okay, well, um, my character is a DC character, and we mm -hmm. mentioned him a little earlier when we talked about in the comics, and that is Apollo. And mm -hmm. most people know him of always with Midnighter, Midnighter's boyfriend. Uh, but that is what I would like to do for my relaunch, and that is take him away from Midnighter. And we saw earlier in that issue, he mentioned how he looks up to Superman and how he kind of wanted to be a superhero kind of like Superman. Mm -hmm. I think that it would be nice to have a miniseries where we actually saw Apollo go and find his own city where he could be his mm -hmm. own superhero there and see him kind of make some mistakes and just try to be a superhero the way he thinks he should, but realizing maybe he's too powerful to be doing all of that there and uh, mm -hmm. making those kind of things. You know, he's just, he's, super strong and vulnerable he can shoot blasts from his eyes from his hands um he's powered by the sun um and i would have also have it where he ends up finding out that there's a young gay kid who has looked up to him and got mm. experimented on because they wanted to have superpowers okay. like apollo and that kid ended up becoming like a little sidekick for him so uh okay that's how I really that actually it. is interesting 
And it's like needed for Apollo as well. He typically only does appear with Midnighter. Whereas like Midnighter has had multiple series by himself. He's done his own thing. He's been out mm-hmm. here like he is that guy. Um, Apollo doesn't get that. He's very much. He doesn't. He's always just the like the arm, the arm candy for Midnighter. And I think it would be a lot of fun if you just kind of took him away from that for a, a series, gave him his own. Isn't that what you complain about for Wiccan? No, I complain about for Wiccan because Wiccan's a punk. But that's not true. (laughs) 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 You try and say that he's a punk and that he's always with his man. But Apollo is definitely always with his man. Apollo isn't running back to his man and and doing all of that. Apollo Uh, is just always with his man because that's how they always write them together. Okay. You know, they not they are in issues together talking about how they can't wait to be next to each other because they just can't be apart. They don't. <laughs> <laughs> Please. They really do not. Like Midnight and Apollo be like, I will see you late. I'll see you later. <laughs> <laughs> Please, they were just You got me there. No. So, hey, we got uh Daddy Superman on this team, so make sure we join it. <laughs> okay. I think it, it, I think that's uh, Apollo said something like that too. He was like, "Didn't you like sleep with this other guy?" <laughs> and Midnight is like, not talking about that right now. <laughs> so you know, no, mm-hmm. Three different kind of couple. I mean, it's, it's, Apollo and Midnight. Right. <laughs> okay, that couple. Uh, would you change his costume, or do you yeah. like the like kind of all white and gold thing? No, I th- I I like the white and gold motif, but I'd probably like give him something a little different, maybe a little darker, keep him still glowing, you know, and all that kind of stuff, but mm-hmm. maybe give him something a little, a little darker to contrast okay. his powers and stuff. That'd be cool. Okay. I could see that. It could be interesting. Again, Apollo needs a moment to himself. Yeah. I think that'd be good to All right, y'all. So that brings us to the end of the show. Make sure you check us out on wherever you catch your podcast. Rate and review us, please. We love seeing those down there. Um, Thank you so much. (laughs) They're so sweet. Um, (laughs) And uh, you can catch us on Twitter if you want to reach out to us. You can reach out at Another Relaunch. We're on uh, YouTube as well at Another Relaunch TV. You can find uh, me on most social media platforms at Another Relaunch. I'm sorry, you can find me at Uncanny LZ. (laughs) (laughs) Keenan, where can they find you? You can find me on Twitter and IG at Keenan Lance. You know there's an underscore at the end. Yes. All right, well, let's get up out of here because I am a starving. Yes, I I was just about to go get some food, but it's just started raining again. So now I don't know what I'm about to do. Yeah, I'm ordering something. (laughs) Chipotle or Popeye's? I don't know. I thought about maybe getting both. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. (laughs) All right.